Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in the lives of others. We like to bring awareness to all the great organizations and the resources that are available in our community so that people are of course aware of them but we also want to inspire people through the stories of impact that are shared so that listeners can decide if and where they want to use their time their talents and their treasures to make an impact themselves in some way inform inspire and impact those are our goals i'm your host jill economo director of community relations at ellen becker investment group so speaking of impact my first nonprofit guest today is an organization with impact in its name, and they're really making quite an impact in our community. The tagline on their website is Women Giving as One. Hundreds of women working together that are involved in their outreach. Welcome to the show today, Ann Schumacher, Grant Director from Impact 100 of Greater Milwaukee, who is an organization of women who collectively award transformative grants that make a lasting impact in the community. Thanks for being here today, Anne. Thank you, Jill. You're welcome. So both MPC, Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, and Impact 100 have similar goals, I think. You know, we, we both want to inform, we both want to inspire, and we both want to impact our community. So tell us more about why Impact 100 was created and what your mission and vision are. Impact 100 was created um, by a woman named Wendy Steele in um, Cincinnati, Ohio in 2001. And it was her idea to give women a new way to give back to their communities. And so that very first chapter um, began with their organization's mission to raise money for local and regional philanthropic causes and engage more women in philanthropic activity. And since that model was designed and started in 2002, um, over 60 cities across the U.S. and the United Kingdom, there is uh, one chapter in Australia and even New Zealand, um, have donated over $123 million to charities. Wow. <laughs> $123 million? Mm -hmm. Whoa, my mm -hmm. goodness. Okay, mm -hmm. that's quite an impact. That's quite an impact. <laughs> Our Milwaukee chapter was founded in 2015 by a group of very committed, extremely hardworking volunteers. Jamie Malatesta, Sue Connor, Mary Therese Brager, Ann Trunzo, and Cynthia Harris, women who continue to give their all, even now these days, started um, Impact 100 Milwaukee. So I think they carry on the mission, and it is their vision, that Impact 100 acts as an intermediary between local donors and charities within the geographical boundaries of Milwaukee. So the main idea is to pool philanthropic contributions from at least 100 women in each chapter and then offer grants of $100,000 or more for local needs. The funding is distributed among five main program areas, education, environment, family, health, and wellness, and arts and culture. Mm. Well, so, so basically, 
nonprofits reach out to you for support and you provide yes. grants uh, of varying sizes. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So given the nature of this show, we have lots of people reaching out and asking for sponsorships for their organization, their mission, their cause, as you can well imagine. And we'd love to be able to give to everyone because everyone is so deserving, but we obviously can't do that. And that's why we do the show, so we can offer an opportunity to nonprofits to share the great work that they do with our community. And that's just one way that we support and give back to the sector. We also have quarterly charities that we support every year. We give from our charitable foundation in key areas of interest. EIG also gifts each employee on their anniversary with $1,000 to donate to their favorite charity. So I would say that we have this collaborative, synergistic approach to giving, I think. And you could probably say the same of Impact 100. But you have this thing called the collective giving grant making model mm-hmm. that you use to offer support to the to the sector. So talk to us about what that is. The model is really quite simple. Um, at least 100 women come together. Um, each woman donates $1,000 and $100,000 is donated to a local charity. So this past year, we had 388 members. We had three $100,000 grants and two $44,000 merit awards. Mm. And, and so th- the differentiator there is just the, the amount of money. Yes. The mm-hmm. merit versus, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty s- straightforward and pretty simple. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that, uh, you know, you think Impact 100, there's 100 ladies involved. But... That's just hundreds of women. So yes. right now you have 388 members, mm-hmm. which is awesome, which just allows you to collect more and give more, right? Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, do you have some fun, informative facts that you want to share with us about sure. the work that you do? Sure. Um, we, ha- in the, we just completed our eighth year um, granting awards. And so far, we've awarded more than $2.7 million dollars in the Milwaukee area in just eight years, which wow. is pretty... Yeah, that's impressive. Yes. Again, that's that's pretty much of an impact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and we remain an all-volunteer organization, which is also impressive, given it's, it's quite an undertaking. Um, so we have... Um, we also have members who are very involved in the grants process. Over 100 of our members review 60 to 80 grants annually. That's very time-consuming, but a very important job. How many would you say uh, in a given year would apply? I'm just curious. Well, it, it fluctuates, okay. and I can say that nationally it is fluctuated. I think that um, when we first started, we had maybe 90 or so applicants um, or grants to review, and then Sometimes we take a little bit of a dip, and now last year we were up again. Wow. Okay. Uh, I didn't realize that. So Mm -hmm. you guys got your work cut out for you for sure. Because, again, everyone is deserving, right? It's just trying to figure out who are we going to donate Mm -hmm. to this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another thing that some people don't realize is that we have um, organizations that have applied – more than once or and have received uh, more than one one hundred thousand dollar grant that happens you know from uh, like in 2016 
um, new life community development applied and then they had to wait three years but they could reapply and they won again with another project okay so that's happened several times which is sort of an interesting yeah thing okay well if you're listening today and you happen to be involved with a nonprofit, you might just be wondering, how do I get in line to get one of these wonderful <laughs> grants? You know, what's the process? Well, stay tuned, and you'll learn more about that after a short commercial break. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking in this next segment again with Ann Schumacher, Grant Director from Impact 100 of Greater Milwaukee. So we may have some listeners that are involved in a nonprofit that are curious about how do I get in line to get one of these grants that you offer. So Ann, can you describe the grant application process that a nonprofit has to complete in order to be considered for a grant or a merit award? Sure. Um, to apply for a grant, your organization must meet the following eligibility requirements. So um, they would need to be a 501c3, uh, located in the greater Milwaukee area. So currently, um, the non our nonprofits that apply are located in Milwaukee, Ozaukee, uh, Washington, and Waukesha County. Okay. So all grant monies must be used for a proposed project or program that provides services to people who live in those geographic areas. Um, total revenue, your total revenue, um, annual revenue must be between 300000 and $7 million. And that is technically part one, line 12 of your 990 form um, for each of the three most recently filed years. Financials, we ask that you have three years of independently prepared financial statements, either audited or reviewed, um, and that you, your project or program, you plan to spend the full amount of the grant within 24 months of the award. Um, and then there are some other technical things, your licensure, um, your organization's corporate or charitable licenses with the Wisconsin Department of Financial Institutions are current. We ask that they are current at the time you submit your letter of inquiry and um, that you only submit one application each year. Okay. So then walk us through the whole process. So that's just the application mm -hmm. process. So what happens after that? After that, um, in September, uh, nonprofits are invited to complete a letter of inquiry or an LOI. Um, LOIs are distributed then among five focus areas that I mentioned before. Uh, following that, our grant committee members will review each LOI for their focus area and select those projects or programs they would like to move forward to a full proposal at their first committee meeting. After that, um, after reviewing and discussing the full proposals, each committee selects two to three organizations for a site visit. Following those site visits, the organization, um, organizations are then, well, there's a final committee meeting and the committees will select, the, each committee will select a finalist. Okay. And then you have your award ceremony? Yes. The, okay. The annual award ceremony. 
is typically in what December or no? That's in June. In June. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it mm-hmm. kind of starts the process in September. September, and, and we kind of work our way all the way to June. Got it. And Early then, June. Okay. So the annual award ceremony is in June, and then what happens after that? After that, it does not end. <laughs> <laughs> The it fun goes begins on and, and on and on. And on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, well, our relationship with our grant recipients, um, at first, it's a contractual relationship, and and pay, and we work out all those details about the payout for their, for the of funds for a one to two three year period. Excuse me, and then. Our awardees are followed closely by volunteers from Impact 100, so there are benchmarks that they're, you know, measured, and we watch them through the process of making their goals come true, as well as ours. Um, and then we stay very connected to our nonprofit recipients. Um, right after the AAC, we have an outreach chair. Um, it happens to be Renee Mannion, who has done it for several years and will continue to do it, who is a, does a spectacular job of staying connected to our grant recipients. Um, so if those organizations have news to share or a request, such as a volunteer opportunity, they can contact Renee and she will get the ball rolling. So um, I know last May we had a connect and serve with one of our nonprofits, um, and then um, Following that, usually the summer is pretty slow, but then again in the fall, um, we will spotlight our grantees in our newsletters, um, and then we will um, also, if they have a special program that perhaps they're hosting, um, we'll advertise that. Um, And then also we have other programs throughout the year. Um, We have our kickoff in the fall, and we will invite our finalists or our, our grant recipients to attend that. Um, some will give up and give a, um, a project overview where they, where they are in the process. Uh, that's something that, you know, we just keep highlighting and our finalists. And it doesn't necessarily have to be recent. It can be some of our finalists from two or three years ago will come back and give us information, update us about their organizations. That's wonderful yeah. because, yeah, it's not just a one and done. Here you go. Here's mm-hmm. the money, and we don't talk to you or see you again uh, anymore. Mm-hmm. But you stay connected with them. You promote them. Um, you still want to share. Obviously, they were deserving of the uh, of the grant, so you want to continue mm-hmm. to share and bring awareness to their organization, yes. which, is, which is great. Uh, what if there's a particular organization that applied – in a previous grant cycle, but they didn't make it to the finalist stage. You had mentioned a little bit about that before mm-hmm. uh, with some organizations that that did that. Um, that's not always a bad thing, though, right? No, it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it, it, it might be um, timing on a project, perhaps. I mean, you know, and the other thing that, that is sort of interesting to think about is that, you know, um, when you you have five finalists, but you 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 have all these projects, and then you you whittle it down to five finalists, perhaps some projects are similar, mm. or perhaps um, you know there's there's more competition between some of them. So it 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 ends up being sort of an an, an interesting um, process. And so we always encourage uh, nonprofits to. 
please apply again. Okay. We know it's we know it's a um, it's an involved process, but I, I think if you asked most of them, it's they learn so much through the process. Through the process. Yeah. Okay. And again, they have also gained um, uh, a lot of recognition mm. through Impact 100s different events and yeah and that's know. important again yeah. that, you know mm -hmm. the, that's why we do shows like this mm -hmm. is to make sure that people are aware mm -hmm. of the great nonprofits that are out there and again just in summary what happens is uh, you've got um, in some cases over a hundred different nonprofits that are applying yes. and then each woman who's involved right now you said you had 388 members each of them gets a vote yes on who they think should be a grant recipient mm -hmm. And then they go through these final stages, and then they give their presentations. And I mean, there, yeah, it's an involved process. That's why it goes from September all the way to June. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's just it's interesting to note all the steps that go through it, and all the ways, as you said, that people can learn and grow as they go through the process, but also ways that they can um, share with the community who they are and what great work they're doing. So that's all. That's all great. Um, any closing thoughts today before we end your time with us? Um, I think that one of the things that's so wonderful about Impact 100, they also have other events like in December. We have something that we, um, we call Helping Hands, and we ask our finalists to give us their wish lists, um, and then we give that out to our membership. So it's another way that we give back to our nonprofits. Oh, okay. okay. Um, that's in December, and then in March, we have um, we we have Beyond the Headlines, which we will feature. Um, last year, it was the lens of advocacy on domestic violence, and you know, so we're always looking for ways to involve our nonprofits and our members in in a collaborative effort mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, to educate them yeah and I know that those um, those stories are on your website yes so people can go there yes. and, and uh, mm -hmm. just listen to watch these uh, stories of yes. impact and again talking about uh, informing mm -hmm. and inspiring and impacting I think you guys are are doing all those things just like we hope to do right so yeah so if you are a nonprofit that wants to learn more or perhaps you want to be one of the hundreds of women that are making that impact at Impact 100. Where should people go for more information? Our website, www.impact100mke.org. Okay. Or you can also email info at impact100mke.org. Okay. Do you guys have a Facebook page? Yes, we do. Okay. So probably if people... Google Impact 100 yes. of Milwaukee because they're all over, right? Mm -hmm. So Impact 100 of Milwaukee, mm -hmm. and you'll get uh, some good information. All right. Well, Ann Schumacher, thank you for joining us thank today. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Um, Ann mentioned before that it's not all bad if you apply and you don't initially receive one of their grants. After our commercial break, we're going to talk with one of those organizations that was in that situation. We're going to learn about their mission and their vision and then how they persevered to be a grant finalist. We'll be right back after a short commercial break. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. 
Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. I'm Director of Community Relations. My next guest today is Barb Fisher, Executive Director from Advocates of Ozaki. Welcome to the show today, Barb. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Advocates of Ozaki and why you feel it's so needed in the community? Sure. Advocates of Ozaki is a domestic and sexual violence center in Ozaki County. We also work with victims of human trafficking. Um, the, the reason I'm there, there's several reasons why I'm there actually. The first one is that as a young person, um, my roommate was murdered in a attempted sexual assault mm. and really changed my life and changed my career path um, change my mission in life for myself. Yeah. Um, the other reason is that uh, it's an excellent organization with an excellent reputation. It's been around for 43 years now mm. and um, very important in the community. A lot of people think that Ozaki County is uh, the land of good and plenty and while it is the land of good and plenty there are also things there that need assistance. There are people there who need help. There are things that happen in Ozaki County that happen everywhere else in the world and around Milwaukee and everywhere else. And it may be a little bit more hidden, but it's still there and people still need help. And isn't, uh, I want to say I had heard a while back that there are some areas in Ozaki County that are hotbeds for human trafficking. Yes, that's very true. It's yeah. all, there are certain corridors through Milwaukee, Ozaki County, and up through I-43 that are definitely corridors for human trafficking. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's similar to Waukesha County. You know, they have pockets of, of wealth or affluence, but we also have pockets of poverty, and it runs the gamut in terms of the residents. Um, I imagine that's the same in every county across the United States. And so you people might think, uh, that area. I mean, when I think of Ozaki County, I think of Cedarburg and Maquan, um, but there are other areas that um, uh, that make up Ozaki County. And so, as you mentioned, there are things that go on there that people may not even be aware of. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we do get clients from Cedarburg and Mequon as well as from every one of the little municipalities in the community. And I think you talk about the affluence in those counties, and I think it's even harder to be non-affluent in a county where there is so much affluence. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a definitely necessary service. Yeah. Well, talk to us about the typical client. You know, where, where do they come from? You mentioned that some do come from Mequon and Cedarburg, but uh, what is the, the makeup of the, of the clients you serve? The majority of our clients come from Ozaki County, but then we do also get clients from Milwaukee. About 18% of our clients come from Milwaukee. Um, we get clients from Sheboygan, Washington County, um, Waukesha County some, and every once in a while we get clients who come from someplace completely different in the United States. Uh, we had a woman who, um, was living in Florida and she had been trying to get away for a number and number of years and she'd been saving money from her grocery money every month. She was given a certain amount of money to buy groceries and she would just keep a little bit out every month 
and uh, one morning her husband was going to work as a bus driver. He worked second shift, and she made him his favorite dinner, and she dressed all up and looked nice for him, and nothing was wrong, everything was cool. As soon as he was out the door, she grabbed the suitcases for herself and the kids that she had packed and hidden under the bed. She got a neighbor to drive her to the airport. She walked up to the counter and said, I have this much money, where can I get to? Mm. On the soonest plane that's leaving. And that got her to Milwaukee. Ah. And from Milwaukee, she called the Milwaukee shelter. They were full, but they got her to us. So she stayed with us for some time and then found a way to get her to her sisters. So it, you, it, there is a, there is a, a trail, perhaps, that you would call it, where people move from shelter to shelter till they get to some place where they're comfortable or where they have family. So it does happen, not a, all the time, but it does happen that, you know, we, we are used as a path to get to some place more permanent. And that's, that's a really great thing to share because people may not know that. They may yeah. say, oh, you know, you're not from this area that we typically serve, and so we can't help you. But again, knowing that you're working collaboratively with other nonprofits and saying we're all in this together. It's not a competition. We're here to serve the people that need us, Absolutely. whether it's here in our county, the next county over, or from Florida or any other state. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so so important to share. Um, talk to us about the services then that you provide. Um, being in a small county and with fewer services than a lot of the big counties, we provide a lot of services that other nonprofit domestic violence and sexual violence shelters might not. So we have outreach programs that is actually our biggest program. And the outreach programs include things like um, legal advocacy, uh, 24-hour hotline and safety planning. We do have a shelter. Our shelter sleeps 16. It's soon to sleep 18 uh, with our expansion. We have individual counseling. We have three counselors on our staff, which is very, very unusual. I don't think there's another shelter in the state of Wisconsin that has a certified counseling staff, which we have. So that's really exciting for us and it really allows us to do a lot more with our clients than, than other shelters are able to do. Yeah, that's great. We have three different kinds of advocacy, the legal, which I mentioned before, medical, and then personal advocacy. So if there's a rape victim, we will go to the hospital with them, work with them, stay with them all the way through the rape exam, and then Afterwards, if they have to go to the doctor for some other follow-up and they want us to do that, we'll also do that. Um, the general advocacy or the personal advocacy, a lot of people have a hard time going and advocating for themselves after they've been in a domestic violence situation for a long time because they've been told they're stupid, they've been told they don't know what they're doing, and that kind of thing. So to go someplace and try to advocate for themselves to get W-2 or to be able to get uh, a service rendered for them is really difficult. So we go along with them and try to help them do that. We also work with them to help build their confidence so they can do that, but we also try to model that behavior for them. So we do that also. And then we have outreach and prevention education. We do a lot of prevention education in the schools. And we start in the grade schools with bullying. We go into the middle schools and we talk about healthy relationships. And then in the high schools, we talk about sexual, um, sexual assault and um, having 
good choices, making good choices, and how to support each other and how to back each other up when you're in a situation that could become dangerous. In addition to that, we also just received a grant for transitional housing. So we're able to provide transitional housing with us paying the full rent for 12 to 18 months for people leaving shelter. Very nice. So that they can save some money so that they can build up to the point where they'll be able to pay the rent themselves once that period of time is up. Very nice. You know, I, I circle back to that information um, that you talked about with uh, sharing in the schools. I think that's so important because I have interviewed other um, human trafficking organizations, and what I learn is just unbelievable. And I, I have learned that um, sometimes kids don't know that it's not wrong. I mean, oh, it's yeah. it's something that their family has lived with or perhaps their parent, I mean, that's just really crazy, but perhaps their parent is the one that is, is selling their services. And so they don't think that this is anything wrong. And so to inform a child on what is healthy and what is not healthy, what is stepping outside of that boundary, uh, so that they are familiar is so so important. It starts with information and sharing information. I think that is that's so great. So you've got some very nice, well-rounded services that you're providing, and again, those can be provided to people outside of Ozaki County. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah, and that's one of the reasons we start in the grade school because kids learn so much so young these days that if you wait until middle school, you've really lost a lot of kids and a lot of audiences, so. Yeah, and that's a sad thing. It really is, but it's, unfortunately, it's how things have to be done. And I'm sure it's done very tastefully. You know, I've heard some people Mm -hmm. that are, you know, a little concerned that it's starting too young, but I think if there's there are ways to do it so that a child will understand, you know, this is okay, this is not okay, you know. So that's, that's important. Uh, I mentioned before the break that Advocates of Ozaki applied for a grant, but they did not become a finalist. But that didn't deter you, did it, Barb? It did not. (laughs) Uh, You came back and you tried again and you had great results. So let's talk more about that after our commercial break. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations, and I'm talking in our last segment today with Barb Fisher, Executive Director from Advocates of Ozaki. All right, Barb, so Advocates of Ozaki became a finalist in 2021, going into 2022, because Ann was telling us it starts in September and goes through to June. Uh, But you didn't become a finalist your first time around, did you? We did not. Tell us about that. Well, we put forward a project that was kind of a pipe dream of ours, and we thought it was a really good project. But um, I think there were probably some others out there that were – more worthy at the time than ours was and um, we did not get funded that time around so um, we waited and we went back so three years later is my understanding right you can apply no no if you're a winner you can come back three years later or even if you did not win do you have to wait the full three years no okay okay we did not wait okay we went you went right back at it right right away 
get it while the getting's good, right? Yeah. The iron's hot. Go ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> we went back with a proposal for an expansion to our shelter, and in particular, um, some um, very specific things that we wanted to add into the expansion that we did not get an original in our original grant proposal. So what we asked um, Impact 100 for was for funding for our children's center, which is at the present time in the basement of our old farmhouse that we have for shelter. And we were moving that up to the first floor so it would be on the main floor of the house. Um, we asked them for funding for security, additional security because of the expansion. And then we asked them for money to also create a kennel for people coming into shelter who had pets. Okay, hold the phone. So, <laughs> or hold for one second. I understand that you're a shelter for women and children seeking temporary safe haven from domestic violence. Now you're adding a component in there that is something new and different, which I happen to love because I am a major, major animal lover. So uh, I just wanted to pause there for a minute because I think this is very important. I think this was is what one of the things that differentiates you, right? So um, talk to us more about uh, this this project that and some of the enhancements that were different from the first time around. Well, a couple of different things. First of all, the Children's Center is going to be much bigger. It's going to be much more light-filled. It's going to have uh, computer stations for the kids. It's going to have um, places for families to be able to share time together. Our, our shelter is an old farmhouse, so that's kind of limited in what we could do. Okay. And during COVID, we found that it was really hard for people to have time out of their bedrooms with their families because we had such a limited space. Okay. So that was a piece that we really wanted to do. We wanted the kids to have a really nice place where they could have group together and where they could do art projects and just really be able to be kids and make noise and have fun. Okay. We've talked about the animal situation for a number of years because 47% of people won't leave a domestic violence situation if they can't bring their animals because animal abuse is one of the ways that perpetrators will try to keep someone with them. 40 Seven percent. Yeah. That's one of those stats that I'm a stats girl. I really love stats. I think it really hits home a point, and that's one of them. Forty-seven percent of women will not leave a domestic violence situation because they they're, can't they don't have any place for their animal to they're go. They're afraid of their pet for their mm. for their pet. Yeah. And there are a number of different situations now that people have been trying to work out. In Milwaukee they have a connection with the Humane Society mm -hmm. where the pets can go into foster care and that kind of thing. That's so great. We had a small animal clinic that will take some pets for us but not very many and people can't go see their pet during that time and that's really really hard yeah. and it's really really hard on kids too. Yeah. So yeah. we have been trying for quite some time to be able to figure out a way to have a kennel of some sort where people could bring their animals, could keep them with them. We have a um, doggy daycare that will take care of um, uh, dogs for our clients for $10 a day while they're at work. 
So we are putting into our basement a pet kennel for cats and dogs, and people can keep the animals kenneled then during the day while they're at work if they don't want to take them to the doggy daycare. Or if they're going for an appointment, they can put them into the kennel while they're going for their appointment. And when they come back, they can take them out of the kennel. Hmm. So while they're in the house, they have to keep them on a leash and they have to keep them under control. Um, and then during the day, they can get them outside. We, Like I said, we're on our old farmstead. We've got six acres of land. So mm, the animals nice. will be able to move around and run around a little bit. Yeah. And then we'll have the kennel for them when they need that. So we're really excited about it. We were one of the very, very few domestic violence shelters that will have a kennel. I... <laughs> I just think that's so great because our animals are part of our family, too. They are. Yeah, and we want to keep them with us. And you think about the comfort that they provide when you're going through a, through a tough time. Uh, so that, that really is wonderful. Um, I'm just curious about donations. So if you are someone out there that maybe has a kennel or... Uh, pet supplies are you in at a point where you are accepting donations of any kind or no we're not at that point yet but we will be in about three months okay so that's definitely something people could call and let us know we'd be absolutely thrilled to have that happen yeah I think that would be that'd be great I I just thought about it because I saw something on Facebook where somebody was getting rid of a kennel and I thought Mm -hmm. that would have been perfect yeah all right so not just yet but soon. soon 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 okay um, well, a lot of great things that you guys are doing, uh, not only for your two-legged population you're serving, but for four-legged <laughs> that you're serving as well. Um, what's one thing that you would like our listeners to take away from this interview? Again, we talked about a lot of different things, all the great ways that you are supporting uh, uh, your clients, um, the programs that you have. But is there one thing in particular that you think would really stand out that you want our, our listeners to understand. Can I say two? We'll let you say two. You go ahead and take two. You go for it, Barb. One of them is that there are shelters or programs in all 72 counties of Wisconsin, and I would just like people to really know that and to support their, their local agency. There are so many ways that you can support your local agency that's either monetary or volunteer or through donations. Really look them up and, and do that. And the last thing is so, so, so many victims won't leave a situation because they're afraid no one's going to believe them. So please, please, please listen, believe, and support. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't take anything away from you. Just listen, believe, and support the person who comes to you and says, this is the situation that's going on. Yeah, and now you know of some resources available. Absolutely. So, yeah, you've got some places to call. Uh, in ways that you can help that person. Absolutely. Okay. Give us the uh, contact information for advocates. It's advocatesofozaki.com. Okay. And do you also have a Facebook page that we people do can have just a Google Facebook and page, same thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank both my guests today, uh, Barb Fisher, Executive Director from Advocates of Ozaki, and Ann Schumacher, Grant Director from Impact 100. I appreciate you sharing today how you make a difference in our community by the services and the support that you offer. So thanks for joining me today. 
If you'd like further information about what we talked about, you can reach out directly to Ann or Barb for more information. And if you know of a great organization doing great work in our community that you think would be a great guest for the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 for Milwaukee's philanthropic community to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community a great place. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I also encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com, and you can listen to previously aired shows. And you can also listen on demand, which means Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast platforms. So if you have an internet connection, you really can listen wherever you are. So think about how you'd like to make a difference in some way for someone in our community. Our guests today have shared many ways that you can make a difference and have a significant impact, whether that's by donating, by volunteering, becoming a member, or simply advocating for their respective organization. I'm sure anything you do would be very much appreciated. So take some time to find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thank you for listening today and have a great day.